Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Is government getting in the way of cheaper health care? Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri, is known as a fierce critic of big tech. And this week, he wrote a letter to the Federal Trade Commission asking them to investigate Amazon's deal to buy One Medical. Now, One Medical is the boutique subscription-based health service. But could government stepping in and blocking that kind of sale actually do more harm than good for regular people? Uh, That's the real question we have to dig into. Uh, Patrick Hedger is the executive director of the Taxpayers Protection Alliance, joins us on the line. Uh, You had a great series of tweets uh, reacting to uh, this letter from uh, Senator Hawley. So so give us a little bit of the backstory. First, what was this letter uh, all about and uh, what do we expect to see as this thing moves forward? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So Senator Hawley joined some uh, Democratic senators, including uh, Senator A.B. Klobuchar, and sending individual letters to the Federal Trade Commission asking them to investigate and potentially block Amazon's acquisition of One Medical. And as you said, One Medical is a boutique uh, primary care clinic um, that you can that is found in a, a couple of the coastal cities, Washington, Washington D.C. included. Um, the service they provide is they charge about a $200 annual fee, and then you get access to all of their offices. Um, you can use their app. You can do uh, telehealth visits with them, or you can have chats through the app where that, that'll count as a visit, and they can do prescriptions for you. So it's kind of a novel approach to the whole primary care process. And for a lot of people, it helps save costs. Yeah. Uh, because you don't have to go to an emergency room and you don't have to schedule months out. Um, so it's, it's a pretty great service. And if Amazon's able to expand that, I don't, I don't see why anybody would be against it. So so let's get into that against component. Uh, it was interesting that uh, uh, in the tweet section uh, that he he wrote this letter to the FTC because he was worried uh, that Amazon might lower the prices and that might impact doctors or undercut their income. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it really looked like the senator was kind of grasping at straws. I, I've, kind of, I've, to- I've coined this that we've got big tech derangement syndrome, right? Because, <laughs> listen, big tech does plenty of things that, you know, that raise my eyebrow or that I'm not a huge fan of. But you can't, you know, we've got to call balls and strikes. And, and a company with the Amazon's resources, 
uh, able to expand a new type of way of delivering primary care that's affordable and more personal for folks uh, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and, and yeah, it, I, I'm not really sure what if that was the strongest criticism he could have levied. There were some other points in his letter talking about the potential for data usage and, and Amazon having too, too much access to people's health data. But, but to push back even on that point, there are primary care clinics in CVS stores and in Walmart, and there's pharmacies in all of these retail stores as well. So it's, we're not in uncharted waters of having a major corporation that's a retailer getting involved in the healthcare space and having access to people's healthcare data. Yeah. Uh, and so let's, let's dig into that component for just a second uh, on the, uh, the data privacy uh, concern. Is that a, a real concern or, or is this, as you said, is this more just kind of grasping at straws and uh, this just seems to, to me, it seems like this would be government meddling in the market, uh, which seems to be contrary to a lot of the things that Senator Hawley usually talks about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's that. I think it's just, you know, the, it's politically popular in some circles to go after big tech on every possible front. I just, I just don't think this is one of them. Um, you know, if you're worried about some of these companies having access to your data, well, I, I would assume that a lot of healthcare data is being hosted on Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud, things like that. There are firewalls in place related to health data. It's one of, it, health privacy is one of the one of the stronger privacy protections that we actually have in this country, codified through things like the HIPAA laws. Um, and and you know, no company wants to find themselves on the other side of those laws. Um, so I think these concerns are are definitely overblown, but. If you ask Americans what their primary concern is, I mean, right now it's inflation, but tied in with that is the perennial issue of excessive health care prices. And, and so to the extent that anybody can come in and, and disrupt in that market to a certain extent, I, I think we should be embracing that, uh, not looking for just any sort of way to take another whack at big tech. Yeah. And, and uh, just before I let you go, Patrick, I, I think that's such a, an important point. We, it is still one of the biggest concerns of Americans across the country. Uh, is the the cost of healthcare and how things are done, and you know innovation is is the name of the game, and innovation is not going to come through a big government program. Uh, what else are you seeing in in terms of even what one medical is doing, and and if uh, Amazon were to continue to play this out a little bit, uh, what could it do in terms of those downstream cost impact on consumers? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll tell you, because I live in the Washington, D.C. area, I have, I'm actually a customer of One Medical. It's, they haven't raised their prices in year in years. It's actually a pretty affordable annual fee. And I, I'm able to get on the phone with a doctor within minutes. Um, I can, and I've, I've actually been able to schedule appointments same day to see an MD and at the very least see a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant, people that can prescribe things. It's a great way for folks that, you know, I've, I've had primary care in the past where uh, you've got to schedule months out, and by then you're not sick anymore. It's gotten worse. Uh, yeah. And and you know, one medical is also because they have such a rapid access to telehealth services. It's a great way to be able to avoid. Hey, do I need to go and go to an ER or not? You can talk to a medical professional at no cost, uh, apart from your small annual fee, and make that determination and potentially save yourself that ER trip and that huge ER bill that comes. So that's that translates into a lot of savings over time for folks that may be making unnecessary urgent care or emergency room visits. And then, of course, good primary care, good preventative care prevents more expensive treatments and surgeries down the road. So making healthcare more accessible through technology has the ability to really reduce a big strain on the system. Yeah. And I think we've uh, I think we're just starting to see that. And whether it's uh, a one medical 
kind of approach. Uh, we've had we have businesses here in the state of Utah that are kind of doing their own thing and providing those services again, much cheaper, much more efficient, much more effective, uh, rather than having just the big government thing. And as someone who uh, endured. Uh, working from Washington, D.C. while living in Utah, but being forced to be on the D.C. exchange and the uh, just outrageous premiums that we had to pay for almost no services at all. Uh, I think something like this, uh, again, innovation uh, in the market is exactly what uh, the healthcare system needs. Anything else that you're watching, Patrick, uh, as it relates uh, to this and healthcare in general in terms of things coming down the line? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple things that we're watching. Certainly part of this big reconciliation package uh, is this issue of, of drug pricing. Um, the Democrats think that, that that allowing the government to, quote unquote, negotiate prices is going to be helpful for consumers. But at the end of the day, the, because the government has a monopoly on force, you're never truly negotiating with the government. Uh, and so we see this as a, 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 a kind of a scary backdoor to price controls for prescription drugs. Uh, that's going to hamper innovation, right? America is the test bed. And, and the driver of medical innovation, particularly in prescription drugs, the availability is higher here. The investment is higher here uh, for new life-saving treatments. It's why the, the vaccines for COVID-19 were invented here. Um, and so if you start introducing price controls into the, into, you know, our, our, the one area of the world that doesn't have them on prescription drugs, um, you, we could see a pretty detrimental impact on total medical innovation worldwide. And that's pretty scary. And that's part of this big you know, the 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 in, inappropriately named Inflation Reduction Act that Manchin just signed on to. So we're, we're monitoring that. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a, a very close one uh, to watch. And uh, we're actually going to analyze that a little bit later in the show as we talk about what it will actually do. <clears throat> Excuse me, University of Pennsylvania Business has uh, weighed in and said it not so fast in terms of the, the title. Uh, might be a little bit of a misnomer in terms of what it will actually do to inflation. Uh, what it will do to a host of uh, of other things as well. Uh, Patrick Hedger, Executive Director of the Taxpayer Protection Alliance. Patrick, always appreciate your perspective on this critical area, and it's one where I hope the innovation continues to flow and we can keep government out of the way and let that happen. It'll get better services, better quality, lower costs, uh, right down to those uh, individual taxpayers. Thanks for joining us today, Patrick. Hey, thank you. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, Representative Moore is going to join us from Washington, D.C. He's working on getting something through before the deadline in the August recess. Stay with us. We'll talk to Congressman Blake Moore coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. <laughs> 